What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Don't Rec League podcast. I'm your co-host, D. Jones. And I'm Rick Sutton, guys. What's going on? Long time no see. Yeah, man. It's been a long time since we last recorded a podcast, and a lot has happened in the mixed martial arts world, I guess. A shit ton of stuff's happening. I guess, Rick, if you want to go ahead and get to the main story. Yeah, we. I mean, yeah, like, like you said, um, the big delay since the last podcast we've done. Sorry about that. We got, we've had travel issues. There's been some... COVID scares, there's been some, a lot of travel and work and stuff like that, so we're finally back, and you know, as uh, Conrad Thompson would say, we got a lot to unpack. Got a lot um, to unpack here. The biggest thing that we have to unpack here is uh, the Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier fight, I think that's, it's been like the talk of the news, you know, for the last couple of weeks, obviously, uh, for those of you, most of you Actually, all of you should know that if you're listening to this show, you should probably know the results of the fight already. Um, Dustin Poirier, winner in the second round by TKO. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of speculation about what happened. You know, a lot of analysts talking about what happens. A lot of, you know, people kind of speculating on what happened and why it happened and things like that. Um, I want to start by saying... If you're one of the people that are online making fun of Conor McGregor for going into a fist fight with a guy as bad as Dustin Poirier, then you're just an asshole. You're not an analyst. You're just an asshole. Um, but outside of that, you know, you know, we obviously we have the utmost respect for anybody who's willing to make that walk. That being said, what you watched the fight, you know, what did you think? Um, I I thought that. Connor did a really good job of catching Poirier on the end of his punches with some good sh- with some good shots. I mean, in the first round, in the first round, and he, I mean, even in parts of the second round, Connor McGregor did a really good job on the feet, as we know he always is going to do. He's one of the best strikers in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dustin Poirier came in with a great game plan. The calf kicks were the story of that fight, without question. Huge. Conor McGregor couldn't even stand after the fight. He had to sit down on the stool. Get a walking stick. Had a walking stick. Backstage. And he's he's still having problems with that calf, and I believe he's going to go get it checked out here. Yeah, well, he has to. He's got a a six-month medical suspension pending uh, an evaluation of the leg. So I think, you know, he could probably come back in a few months, which might – we'll talk about that here in a minute, but that could be a possibility for him. Um, but you know, getting that leg kick, I don't know if anything structurally was done with the kick, but you know, everybody who analyzes those leg kicks, what they, what they talk about is with the calf kick, the blood has no place else to go. So it builds up under the skin and the calf, which is which, what makes these leg these calf kicks so dangerous. Yeah. It's the difference between a calf kick and then a getting kicked in the thigh. You got a big, most people's thighs are pretty sizable. So if you get kicked in the thigh, the blood can s- spread out. It doesn't have as much place to go in the calf, which is why these these calf, low calf kicks that we're seeing so much are such a huge weapon. I was getting ready to say, do you think that after that Connor Dustin fight, do you think we'll see way more lower leg kicks than you know just the typical inside leg to the thigh? We've been seeing them. We've been seeing them. You know, a lot of people bring this up. The first person to really do that low calf kick was Benson Henderson. But for some, you know, former he- lightweight champion, former lightweight champion, but Henderson's, the, it's it's almost like Henderson's introduced it to MMA, and now the other the guys that are coming after him have perfected it. 
Now these guys are really shutting people down with these low calf kicks. I mean, we've seen this tons of times. We've seen Gaethje do it to several opponents now. He did it to Khabib. Khabib's just a tough son of a bitch and able to just take the fight to the ground when his legs started hurting. That was Justin's best weapon in his Khabib fight was the leg And if you go back and watch that fight, you look at Khabib's calf, it's not in great shape. It's bubbling up too. Yeah. You know, just with Conor being a stand-up fighter, taking so many of those kicks, and, you know, even Conor thought that he was checking the kicks. But if you don't turn that shin, when you lift the leg up, if you don't turn the shin outwards to... Come back to connect with his shin. You don't check the kick. The kick still digs into the meat. Uh, if you know, if everybody can reach down and feel your shin. If you feel on the inside of your shin, you got mostly bone there. If you feel on the outside of your shin, there's meat. There's a lot of meat there. And if you don't really turn that, if you don't turn that foot out and turn that knee out, you don't check those kicks. It still digs into the meat of the calf. And that's what you've seen. Connor did lift his leg up a few times to check, try to check some of those kicks, but they were still digging into the meat of the calf and doing all the damage they needed to do. Yeah, and I mean, congratulations to Dustin Poirier. I mean, great fight, great fight for him. I mean, have we seen anybody have a loss like that that he had? I mean, Connor back in twenty fourteen, he knocked him out in the first round. Yeah, he starched him, and I ever mean. since then. Dustin Poirier has been a completely different fighter. Yeah, yeah. sure, he's lost fights, but yeah. it hasn't been in the manner that Connor did. That Connor beat him. No, no. And look at some not. of the guys that Dustin Poirier's beat in the last seven years. I mean, he beat won the interim lightweight championship, beat Max Holloway, who just put on a striking masterclass. He's wasn't he the first guy to beat Justin Gaethje, or was it Eddie Alvarez? Um, it was either Eddie or him. I. I don't remember. I mean, he did beat he beat Eddie. He beat Gaethje. Yeah. Um, Matt, and that could be a rematch we see down in the line. But, I mean, Poirier, there's no doubt about it. Poirier, I mean, Poirier had a good showing against Khabib. You know, he was, I thought there was, there was a point in that fight where Poirier had landed a big shot that rocked Khabib. Khabib was retreating. And then, of course, the, the guillotine choke that Poirier almost pulled off. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. He's he's improved leaps and bounds. You could tell he's super comfortable in there. Even I mean in this Connor fight, you know that could be a tough thing. It could be a tough thing fighting somebody who you who slept you. You know, at the end of their fight, first fight, Poirier was face down on the mat sleeping. Yeah. So that could be tough going into that second fight, knowing that, and it was. Poirier was completely comfortable in there. And by the way, Dustin Poirier was the second guy to defeat Gaethje. Eddie Alvarez okay. was the first. Okay. But however, he did. He beat Justin Gaethje senseless. I mean, he Gaethje didn't know where he was after that fight with Poirier. I mean, Poirier's striking has gotten so much better, and he's so crisp on the feet now. Yeah, his boxing is super I mean, crisp. You know, he Dan Hooker. He he really dismantled Dan Hooker. The, uh, in his previous fight, beat Connor, and I mean there are some. I mean, do you believe that Dustin Poirier is the uncrowned lightweight champion since I mean, Khabib I, is technically retired? I don't have any choice but to say that because even Khabib's came out and said that the championship should be on Dustin Poirier. Yeah, he just said that. You know, said that hey, the title should be on Poirier. So, uh, you know, if Khabib's the the champion. And the UFC is, for some reason, refusing to take this title off of a guy who was retired. 
because they keep wanting him to come back and fight, and I get all that, but the guy said he's retired. If he wants to come back, then he'll come back down the road, but there's no sense holding up the lightweight division and the championship for it when a guy said, I'm retired. Well, also, so, it's, it's like you said, why do, and why does Khabib keep taking these meetings? I mean... I don't know. If you're retired, why are you even entertaining meetings? They're having another meeting, I just read. So, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. You told, you know, you told Dana you're head and shoulders above everybody. Okay, so... Which he might be. Which, it, which, from what we've seen so far, has been true. But, okay, so that's the way you feel. So now we're having another meeting. What are we having this other meeting for? Yeah. If, 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 if you've said you're retired... You've said that you're head and shoulders above everybody else in this division. You've said that Poirier should be the champion. What are we having the meeting for? What are we talking about? I mean, do you if think we're not talking about George St. Pierre and I Khabib was just fighting, ready to say that. then we ain't talking about. I don't think we're talking about anything because the only thing that could have even possibly enticed Khabib to come back was what if Connor beat Poirier? Because we all know Dana wanted that. That rematch. Yeah. You know, if you, if you watched, if you're, if you're a fan of Dana White's YouTube series, Looking for a Fight, he has, at that last trip to Fight Island, he goes and watches fights with Khabib, another promotion, and says, Poor, uh, Poirier and Connor are trending to be an even bigger fight than you and Connor. Imagine if you two rematched and made the pitch to Khabib right there, and Khabib just was like, all right. And just kind of blew him off and went back to talking to Matt Sayre and Dean Thomas. Which, granted, it wasn't. Like, it, in terms yeah. of pay-per-view buys, it wasn't. It wasn't bigger than the... It was not bigger than the khabib Connor fight. No. But was a big fight. That's the biggest fight in UFC history. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a, was a big fight, though. So, you know, it's just... There's a lot to... Un, I mean, a lot of speculation about what went wrong with Connor. You know, for, for us, the hobby thinks that Connor's a quitter. Uh, has said that, you know, you have people that are in, watched Connor train, told, you know, Joe Rogan said he spoke to several people that said this was the best shape Connor had ever been in. Connor said this was the first time in between rounds in his professional career that he didn't feel the need to sit on a stool. So we have all of those things. And then, you know, those leg kicks, which are just a tough weapon. And it's something that Connor hasn't had to deal with in his professional career yet. That we've seen. He's never taken low leg kicks like that. So, and we don't see, we haven't seen anybody really try to attack the, the, the calf on him, on him yet. You know, and he's got that real boxing style where he's really planted on that lead leg. And that does leave him susceptible to those kicks. You know, so it'll be interesting to see if there, there's a rumor that they're trying to look into the trilogy fight with Poirier and Connor. It'd be interesting to see, you know, what, what Connor's answer is to those calf kicks. You know, is he going to go back to where when he fought him at 145, that real light stance where he was almost almost in a karate stance. You know, he was real light on his feet. This last fight, he was real heavy on that lead leg, and you yeah. know, he paid for it. Yeah, big time. I mean, is that the fight to make? Fuck, man, because, I don't know. I, I mean, there's so many good the, fights. Look at the undercard. Yeah. Michael I mean, Chandler. His debut fight in the UFC lightweight division knocks out Dan Hooker in about two and a half minutes. So he's right up there already. I mean, Dan Hooker was the, was the sixth-ranked lightweight in the world. You yeah. still got Charles Oliveira, who's on an eight-fight win streak and looking like the most probably well-rounded fighter. I mean, he destroyed Tony Ferguson in his in their in their in that fight in their fight uh, a few months ago. So 
I mean, we've always known the lightweight division to be one of the stacked. best. One stacked. of the best. Stacked, one of the best. And now it might be the most stacked it's ever been right now. So, I mean, what do you do? Do you do do you do Poirier and Oliveira? Do you do Chandler and Oliveira and do Poirier Connor? Do you do I feel like the, the, here's the thing. You know, and after that fight, after the Connor Poirier fight, Connor said that he attributed a lot of this to to rust, him not being active. Forty seconds in the last two three years. Yeah. So you know, if if we if we are to take Connor at his word, and Connor needs to be active, he goes and gets his leg checked out. He can he can fight again in three months. The UFC needs to get Connor a fight in three months. So if they're not doing the Poirier fight, you know, I feel if if they do the Poirier fight, you know, that's one thing, and people are going to absolutely bitch. But you need to have another fight accompany that fight. And that fight needs to be Oliveira and Michael Chandler. Yeah. There's there's got to be some combination of a lightweight tournament here. I mean, you still got Gaethje. The real the realistic thing, you know, have Connor have Connor fight somebody else. I feel like you got to do Poirier, Oliveira, Gaethje, Chandler, and then those guys fight. But then that leaves Connor inactive again. I feel like if they were going to do anything, do Connor and Tony Ferguson. They've been wanting to do that fight for the longest time. I know Tony Ferguson's lost his last two fights. Two fights. But his, Cerrone had lost his last two fights before Connor fought him. Yeah. So I mean, really, what are you know what are I the mean, rules anymore? Yeah, exactly. I feel like Tony Ferguson. I I think he's probably on his last swan song. So let him get yes. a, let him get, get a big fight with Connor. Big payday. Big payday and just let it let it happen. Because I'm pretty sure Tony Ferguson's probably not gonna touch the title picture anymore. Probably even though not. he's even though he's been a mainstay in the lightweight division since he won the ultimate fighter. But I think I mean the lightweight division is extremely crowded right now, especially with Michael Chandler. Coming in and making such a big statement like My that. My God, this, that fight you know, they, this is the you know, and I was listening to uh, I actually listened to Joe Rogan and Brendan Schaub's podcast that they did last week. Yeah, I believe it was last week. This is this is the difference in MMA and boxing because you have a situation where Connor is absolutely your biggest star, and if this was boxing, they would be feeding guys to Connor. Yeah, it would be it'd be a real shock upset if somebody lost if somebody beat Connor if this was boxing, but this isn't boxing. Nope. and this is MMA. And there's no, there's no way that you could. There's nobody right now that you can book Connor against that's not going to be a tough fight for him. Nobody. There's nobody in that top, whatever in the lightweight division, top, you know, seven, ten people, that Connor that that are not going to be a tough and potentially dangerous fight for Connor, and that's just what we're at. Oh, I you know so I agree, because right now. Khabib is still technically the lightweight champion. He's still technically the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Yeah. I mean, but like you said, you got guys like Dan Hooker, who's the eighth-ranked lightweight. Dos Anjos, who's wanted, who's, who was supposed to fight Conor a couple times. Has been, has been chirping about fighting Conor. Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira, Gaethje, Poirier. I mean, you got a bunch of guys. I mean, you still. That's, got- another, that's the thing is we got so we had such an impressive. We've had such a recent impressive showings from Poirier, 
from Chandler, from Oliveira, that we've even completely forgot that Gaethje's been on an absolute tear and yeah. fought pretty well against the champion. Yeah, his only loss is to Khabib in, in, the last, in, the last, in his last, like, three, four fights. So it's such a stacked little congested, and they, they, at some point there's got to be some resemblance of a title tournament to crown a new champion in the lightweight division. Well, let's just say this right here. Let's just say you did. Let's just say you did like a, a an elite eight, kind of like the NCAA tournament, and you did the top seed versus the lowest seed. Right now, it would be Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. Which, which you know, which this we've is, already had that happen. You know, this ain't gonna happen. No, it's not gonna happen. But let's just the say the one seed don't fight the eight seed in the UFC. This is a hypothetical, but yeah, Justin Gaethje would fight Rafael dos Anjos. Connor would fight Charles Oliveira, and Michael Chandler would fight Tony Ferguson. If it, if we, if you did like the bracket seating, bracket deal, but that's not yeah. going to happen. That's not going to happen in the UFC. You fight the best. So if you did one versus two, three versus four, it'd be Poirier, Gaethje, Oliveira, Chandler, Ferguson, McGregor, Dos Anjos, and Hooker. You know, and and it, I think that's probably where you go with this. One and two have to fight, but one and two need to fight for the championship. Yeah. Three and four need to fight, but three and four need to fight for the number one contendership, and that needs to be put out there right up now, front. You know, there shouldn't be speculation. Oh, what are we gonna? Are we gonna see the winner of this fight for the fight for the title? This should be a number one contenders fight, and we should just piece them together like that. I know sometimes it's not that easy because there's you know, especially in this COVID world, people are dropping out of fight cards and doing stuff like that. But we gotta clear. We gotta clear this lightweight title picture up. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about this weekend. Huge fight. We're moving up a weight class. Moving up. We're going to welterweight. Kamara Usman, the current reigning defending welterweight champion, takes on, in my opinion, his toughest challenge to date in Gilbert Burns. Such a a well-rounded fighter. Number one ranked contender. Such a well-rounded fighter. I mean, Gilbert Burns is on an absolute tear. Yeah. Since actually moving up to the welterweight division, he's nineteen and three in the UFC, and I mean these are former teammates. I mean these are teammates. They have nothing but respect for each other. But yeah. at the end of the day, man, you gotta you know if you want that if you want to be the number one guy, you got to fight for the title. So that's it. If and you got, if you want to be number one, you got to go be number one. And, and this is probably the least, you know. And, and there's a lot of comparisons with the John Jones-Rashad Evans situation, but Rashad Evans and John Jones ended up hating each other by the time this whole thing popped off. Yeah. That's not the case here. These two have respect for each other, but have both been competitive in the media. You know, Daniel Cormier said that you see sometimes when these teammates fight each other, the two guys get in the cage, but they know who's going to win that fight. And... Cormier said one of these guys this Saturday, one one of both of these guys know who's the better fighter. They're gonna fight, but both of them know who's the better fighter. And we've we've sensed that and we've heard Burns come out and say, Yeah, we both know that I'm the better fighter. And Camaro is saying, We both know who's the better fighter. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be interesting. A lot at play this weekend and it should be a great stylistic fight. Both guys have a crazy gas tank, both guys good on the ground. Both guys shown a lot of improvement standing up. Yeah. So it should be fantastic. Dude, and you want to talk about a stacked division. I mean, the yeah. welterweight division. I mean... 
We got this fight. We Burns, have a potential Covington, Covington, Masvidal fight in the works. Stephen Thompson, Michael Chiesa is on a roll now. Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya, Neil Magny, Jeff Neal, Bilal Muhammad, Robbie Lawler, and the fastest rising star in the UFC right now, Kamzat Chemaev, who's 15. Who's going to be fighting what, next month? Yep. Fighting Leon Edwards. You know, another guy who it's about we haven't Tom seen Leon forever. Edwards. It's about Tom Leon Edwards finally got a fight. I mean, he's only yeah, fought. I mean, well, he's only won seven in a row. Let's knock on wood that those two actually fight. This is about the fourth time we've had to reschedule this one. So yeah, it's, it's turning. Like it's this is the last time you can reschedule this. If somebody drops out of this fight, a replacement's got to be made. Yeah, it's turning into Khabib Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, how how long are we going to prolong these guys? You know, especially Kamzat was on a roll fighting. You know, fought several times. And, you know, now this is the longest layoff of his UFC career so far. Yeah. So, it's it's interesting. I mean, that welterweight division stacked, too, like you said. So, it's going to be crazy to see what happens. I mean, but it all it all starts with this weekend. Uh, Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns, how do you see this one playing out? Dude, I've been saying it since, I've been saying it since he beat Tyron Woodley. Gilbert Burns is the next UFC welterweight champion. Okay. And I stick by it. I think Gilbert Burns beats Kamara Usman by unanimous decision. I think Gilbert Burns is the better striker. I think Gilbert Burns is better on the ground. I think he's better in the clinch. I think the only thing that Kamara Usman is better than him at is pro- may, may, he might have a better gas tank. And he's better at foot stomping. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I knew you were going to say that. But to be fair, though, I will say Kamara is the significantly bigger man. He's about four inches taller. He's got about a five-inch reach advantage on him. So Gilbert Burns is going to have to, you know, close that distance. Yeah. But I do, I mean, if this does go to the ground, I think Gilbert Burns clearly is the better jiu-jitsu fighter. Jiu-jitsu fighter. He's the better grappler. I just, I think Gilbert Burns is an all-around better fighter than Kamara Usman, and I think Gilbert Burns becomes the UFC welterweight champion. Okay. Man, I, you know... I tend to agree with you. I feel like Gilbert Burns has enough uh, enough skill to get past Kamara Usman by, like you said, by unanimous decision. I think that's if I my if I had to put a prediction on, I would say that that's the prediction. Also, on the flip side of that coin, though, I mean, I've been saying, you know. Oh, I don't know how you know Kamara is going to win this fight. I've been saying that. I mean, I didn't know how. I didn't know how anybody was going to beat Tyron Woodley. Usman ran through him. Ran through him. You know, I when the um, you know when Camaro uh, fought Masvidal, I thought Masvidal had had the the striking to be able to beat him. You know the the uh, Covington and Usman was back the and toughest, forth the toughest fight. I mean, I I personally thought that Covington was up on the cards. I do too. Before he got TKO'd. I do too. So I, you know, love to see that rematch down the line. But I think that Burns has got what it takes to be able to to be able to get this done. I mean, it's I feel like whoever wins this fight is going to be able to have a masterful a masterful game plan and really, really be able to implement it. And it's that's that's gonna be it. So maybe this this could come down to coaching and, and strategy. And I mean both both fighters with great coaches. Agreed. With Agreed. great coaches, so I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, it's it's a solid card. I mean, Macy Barber coming back from injury, yeah, taking on Alexa Grasso, who's 
climbing the ranks in the flyweight women's flyweight division. You got Kelvin Gastelum coming back, fighting in the middleweight. He's taking on Ian Heinish, tough guy. Be a good fight. G- t- two longtime UFC vets, Jim Miller, fighting Bobby Green. Yep. So I mean, you got some really good fighters on that main card. Bilal Muhammad, who we just talked about in the welterweight division, he's fighting on the undercard. He's taking on Diego Lima. So yeah. I mean, I mean Diego Lima, who's, I mean, his brother's really, really good. But I mean, let's not sleep on Diego Lima either. I mean, the early prelims, Jillian Robertson, I mean, she's been really, uh, been very successful in her UFC run. Brian Kelleher's fighting Ricky Simon. So, I mean, you know, this is a solid card. I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be great. And then in a couple weeks, you got Derek Lewis taking on Curtis Blades. So, I mean, you know, a lot of good UFC fighters um, coming up within the next few Next few weeks, next few months. I mean, and look at I mean, look at next next month's card. You got three title fights. Three title fights. This what the first time since first time since, since the first it? fight island. It was when uh, I think Usman fought Masvidal. Yeah, the three, three title, title fights. Because what was it? Volkanovski, Holloway, Holloway two, and it was Jan, uh, and, Jan Aldo. and Aldo. Jan and Aldo. Yep. And speaking of Jan, he's taking on. Alderman Sterling. Alderman Sterling. Finally, Alderman Sterling gets a title shot. Amanda Nunes defending her title against featherweight title against Megan Anderson, the, yep. the big long Australian, and Israel Adesanya trying to become a two weight world Man, champion. That, that fight is so interesting. Taking on Jan Blahovich. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. We're either gonna, I mean, th- that that main event, man. We're either gonna realize, we're either gonna really sink into what we already know that 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 Jan Blahovich hits like a Matt truck and you don't want none of that shit or we're going to find out that that style bender is on a different planet than the rest of his fight than the rest of the fighters in that in that realm in that in those weight classes I mean we just watched somebody who got into the cage and went five rounds with John Jones get absolutely dismantled by Jan Blahovich. yeah Okay, got fucking popped. And a lot of people thought finished. Dominic Reyes beat John Jones. A lot I of people did, but I did not. Eat, I did not as well. But a lot of people did think that. So we, you, when you have somebody go in and be, and I, yeah, I get it. Styles make fights, but you got somebody that goes in and is that competitive against John Jones, the, the, you know, arguably the greatest fighter of all time. Yeah. And then you have some, and then you have Jan Blachowicz who we knew was going to be a dangerous fight, and me and you both picked Jan Blachowicz to beat Dominic Reyes. And then Reyes, who came out and was so competitive against John Jones, gets clipped and just put away by Jan Blachowicz. And Blachowicz, at no point in that fight, was Blachowicz worried about Reyes. No. Blachowicz looked completely confident the entire time that he was going to put one on the button of Dominic Reyes and put him away. And I think he's the same way about Adesanya, too. I mean, we've seen Adesanya get rocked in the octagon before. Yeah, you know, obviously we've seen him get hurt in the in the Calvin Gashlin fight. That was the last time we've seen him hurt. But and Gashlin's a southpaw, and so is Jan Blahovich. Jan Blahovich is a southpaw, so, and I mean, size wise, if you look at these two guys' statures, Jan Blahovich is built like a shit brick house. So that's like I said, man. If we're either gonna find out that yeah, Jan Blahovich is nobody to mess with and could run this lightweight light heavyweight division for a while, yeah. Or we find out that Stylebender is just on a different level. 
Yep, we'll find out next month, March the 6th. But before we get to that, we got to get to UFC 258. goes down this Saturday. February the 13th on pay-per-view ESPN Plus, 10 o'clock. Main card, main event, Kamara Usman taking on the number one contender in the welterweight division, Gilbert Burns, for the UFC welterweight championship. Should be a great fight. Oh, yeah. Definitely looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's going to be great. I've been looking forward to this one for a while now. Absolutely. I was actually, I mean, even though they did replace Burns with Masvidal, I was a little disappointed we weren't going to see Burns and Usman because I thought stylistically it was a great fight. I, I saw the Masvidal-Usman fight. I, I knew if Usman won, I knew how he was going to win. You know what I mean? He was going to clinch, wrestle, clinch, hold. wrestle, hold him. You know, and that's exactly with some foot stomps and some, you know, a little bit of punching here and there is how he beat him. This fight. How are you going to beat Burns like that? It's like their styles are very similar. Yeah. You know, I do feel like Burns has the more explosive striking, which is why I feel like Burns gets the edge. But, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Usman won. Oh, no, me neither. And, you know, I'm picking Gilbert Burns, but it's not like I'm just – 1,000% confident that he's going to win. Even though I have said, I I do think that Burns is the next UFC welterweight champion. I have said that uh, since since he beat Tyron Woodley, I've said that. Yeah. But like 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 you just said, it's not like that. If if Usman beat him, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't be jaw to the floor like holy shit i did not see that happening yeah now now if usman like knocked him out completely or something like that that would shock me yeah but you know like if it was a back and forth fight and he won by unanimous decision or something that that wouldn't surprise me so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to this fight it's gonna be a great fight yeah but some I'm, great fight cards coming up great fight cards you know, coming we, up. we talked about comes at chamayev and if I'm Leon not mistaken, Edwards. if I'm not mistaken, Rick, I'm pretty sure UFC 260, which this is UFC 258, but I'm pretty sure UFC 260 might have three title fights on it. I'm not totally positive about that. Yeah, I know it has. Card looking like? I know it has two. It's Stipe Steve and Francis, and then Volkanovski and Ortega. Oh, so two those are two fights. great title fights Can't because wait for that. because we all know. The winner of that one, the winner of the Francis Stipe fight, probably gets a date with John Jones. Yeah. At heavyweight. Yep. What do you think about that before we go? What do you think about that? I mean, John Jones being at heavyweight. I mean, did, he posted a picture on Instagram. He's he's, he's up to like two fifty. He's huge, man. He's fucking huge. I mean, if he keeps going, if he don't get a fight soon, he's gonna have to cut weight to get to that. <laughs> you know, I think. It's it's it, Jones is building right, so I think that when Jones does finally get in the cage at heavyweight, he's probably going to end up cutting a little bit of weight. Probably be down at like that two thirty, two thirty five mark. I don't think he wants to be too heavy. He says that his movement and speed have not been compromised in this move to heavyweight. That's we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. That's going to be the big question yeah. as far as technique goes and the striking prowess. I think right off gate. You know, Jones is the clear-cut tech, technical striker. You know, you got him. You got uh, Volkov, Stipe. You know what I mean? Those are those are clearly the top three technical strikers. Not power punchers. Te- technical. technical. Power puncher, we already know who's numero oh, uno yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Okay, but 
technical wise striking that's what you got but then you i mean he's just going to be fighting he's fighting guys that are big and they're not big because they go to the gym they're naturally big these guys are broad big shouldered dudes. broad shouldered tall stocky fucking guys you know it's going to be tough to get him down if he tries to wrestle with him it's going to be tough it's going to be tough and i mean yeah we've we've seen jones p- pick up and and take down daniel cormier you know who's arguably one of the best wrestlers in UFC history, if not the best. I mean, probably him or Henry Cejudo, right? Well, definitely most, probably him and Cejudo most decorated. Definitely most decorated. And, so. and best. I mean, I'm not going to act like they're not the best. But yeah, I mean, in a straight wrestling match. You know, Olympic wrestlers. They're Olympic wrestlers. So we did see Jones take take Cormier down. And Cormier was the champion. Granted, Cormier didn't do, I mean, except for his fight with Derek Lewis. You know, Cormier didn't do a whole lot of wrestling. You know, I mean, he knocked Stipe Miocic out, and then they just fucking strike. Then the next two fights, they just threw hands. There was no wrestling really even involved. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see, man. It'll be interesting to see, you know, with with that striking technique. And are our guys going to be able to get Jones to the ground? I mean, Jones is real crafty, scrambles really well. He is, man. But, you know, we if we look at, let's be honest, if we, we see Stipe and Ngannou fight, whoever comes out of this fight, the winner, they get John Jones. Say Jones beats whoever comes out of this. Curtis Blades is right around the corner. And he's a great wrestler. For a title shot. And he's a big man. Big guy. Big great man. Great wrestler. Big wrestler. He's got, I think he's got the, He's either got or is close to getting the UFC record, heavyweight record for takedowns in a career. Yeah. He's up there somewhere. Well, you know, and he's getting ready to fight Derek Lewis. Yeah, and I... And I I, I, I definitely think Blades is going to beat Derek Lewis, even though I love Derek Lewis. I think Blades is jumping on that leg. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lewis is going to have to do what Ngannou did to Blades and bum rush him. You know what I mean? He's going to have to really fucking bum rush him. Yeah, he is. You know, I think that... But also, Ngannou's got... Better footwork than than Lewis does, which is going to hurt Lewis getting away from those takedowns. You know, so we, I mean, we've seen less wrestlers, less skilled wrestlers than Blades take down Lewis and be able to keep him there. You know, granted, he has gotten tougher to to hold down. He has definitely improved that part of his game. I decide I see Blades taking him down. I, mean, I see Blades setting him up self up for a number one contender shot. I mean, do we see Blades fight the loser of this Ngannou? Stipe fight. Maybe it depends on the loser. It depends on the loser, I think. Are, I mean, are people really wanting to watch Blades and Ngannou fight a third time when it's already 2 nothing? Yeah. Uh, you know? I, mean, I, think, I, think we, I think people would much rather see Blades fight Stipe yeah. but, uh, than, than Ngannou because, like but you it said, Ngannou's up 2 nothing. I think that could change everything. I think if, if Ngannou wins, yeah, you might see Blades and Stipe fight. If you see... And Ganu, you know, lose again. Man, what a holding pattern! I mean, Stipe over and Ganu twice, and Ganu over Blades twice. You know, it's a, it clouds everything. And then Volkov had a big win against Alistair Overeem. You know, so it's heavyweight division's interesting. It's definitely interesting, and it gets even more interesting with the introduction of John Bones Jones. Absolutely, and then you know, and don't forget, you still got Jarzinho Rosenstrike out there. I mean, he's only yeah. lost one fight. Yeah, like, granted yeah. it was to Ngannou, and sure. it was in like twenty seconds. But I mean, Jarzinho Rosenstrike's only lost one fight. He's getting ready to fight Cyril Gain here in a little bit. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the heavyweight division, it's it's getting back to being interesting again. Because back in, like, the early 2000s, like, 10s, the heavyweight division was the most interesting division in the sport, probably, with, you know, came Velasquez and Dos Santos. Fabrizio Verdun. Brock Lesnar, Verdun. You know, Shane Carwin was in that. Carwin Mir. Was in there. Frank Mir. You know, yeah. Noguera. Yeah, Noguera, you still, you had, uh, it's, it's, it's just Bigfoot one of those things. It, it, the thing, the thing that changes everything with this heavyweight division, and especially, it makes it even more, it, it, it sinks it in, it sinks it in even more after John Jones' last performances. Are we going to see a motivated John Jones since he's coming into heavyweight? Something he's been talking about for a long time. He says he's not going back to light heavyweight. So this is real career make or break. If you're not going back to light heavyweight and you come in and get your ass beat, then, you know, where is your career at now? Yeah. You know, it's tough to be a gatekeeper at a heavyweight division if you come in and lose right off the rip. Right off the rip. You know, at the same time, you know, so we, we know John doesn't want to be forced career-wise into going back to light heavyweight. Yeah. Because that's, you know, not a great look for him, right? But, like I said, this sinks in more even af- after his previous performances is all of the fights that Jones had that were competitive at light heavyweight. We were surprised they were competitive. We didn't go into the fight going, oh, man, it's going to be a really tough fight. We yeah. knew, we thought John was going to win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, looking at this heavyweight title fight... And Ganu Stipe, I know without a shadow of a doubt, both of those guys can beat John Jones. Oh, without question. So without that's, a doubt. that's what makes this move for Jones really, really interesting for his career. And I will say, stylistically, I think Jones would probably rather fight Ngannou. Just because he's really just all stand-up. You yeah. Know? And Ganu, I mean, look at the first Stipe and Ganu fight. Stipe took him down, controlled him, Clinch, survived. Clinch work. Clinched. Which we've seen Jones do to people before. And, you know, and let's, and to be fair, we have to take into this effect, and Chael Sonnen says this all the time. He says, John Jones might not be the greatest fighter of all time, which I think he still is, but he said he's without a doubt the toughest fighter of all time. Yeah, we, I mean, we've seen him take some shots, especially recently. We watched him fight some really heavy punchers. He said Chael Sonnen, Chael Sonnen said he's the toughest fighter ever. He's never been knocked down. He it looks like he's never even been like stunned. I mean, like to the point of where like, oh sh- oh shit, this guy might go in there and try and finish him. Like Yeah, I mean, he's been taken down once briefly. Yeah. By Daniel Cormier and Alexander Alexander Gustafson in their first fight. Other than that, yeah. I I mean, I listen, I got to agree with Chael there. I mean, uh, if we're looking at everything on paper, John John being in a, a heavier weight division, never having been dropped, and arguably never even rocked visibly that we've seen, you know, it's tough to argue that he is the toughest guy um, in the UFC and one of the toughest fighters of all time. But you know, this move to heavyweight changes everything. And the thing about it John does. is, John is very crafty with his striking, but he's not the best technical boxer. And he does leave himself open for punches when he does decide to throw hands. And he's not a power puncher either. And he's going to give up some of that size that, I mean, granted, he's still going to have size and reach on the guys he's fighting at heavyweight. Everybody. 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 But the size and stature that he has over people, a lot of people in the light heavyweight division. I mean, if you look at the Rashad Evans fight, the Cormier fight, you know, a lot of guys that he fought. He literally had a foot and a half 
Or he literally had like a foot reach advantage on Daniel Cormier when they fought. Yeah, but so now he's going to be, you know, he's going to lose that in pretty much every fight he could have from here on out. Yeah. I mean, unless he's fighting, like, there's not really, I mean, there's most of those guys are pretty big. There's not really a whole shit ton of short. Not, not a whole lot of short guys and in, 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 uh, heavyweight. You know, not everybody's reaches up there, but it's definitely going to make things interesting as far as matchups for, for John Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the only, like you said, the reach isn't going to be what it used to be. He's got guys that are, that you know, they, like you said, they might only have like a two-inch disadvantage, but that's a lot better than... Daniel Cormier, who was 12 and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, where was he at on Shogun? Where was he at on Machida? Machida, and, and, Evans, and Rashad, Rampage. Rampage. You know, those guys, he had a big, big size advantage. I mean, Curtis over. Blades has an 80-inch reach. Derek Lewis has a 79-inch reach. You know, you look at a guy like Andre Arlovsky, who's never going to fight John Jones, but I'm just saying, he's got a 77-inch reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, he has a 78-inch reach. Yeah, Cyril Gain has a eighty-one inch reach. I think Volkov has like an eighty-two something. I think it's eighty-two. I believe. I I think he's got an eighty-two inch reach. I'm not positive on that, but the one that's Stefan Struve has an eighty-four inch reach, and that's what John Jones has. So yeah. it's like you've always said that John Jones is made was made for fighting. I mean, he was, he was made for fighting. He, he was, was either, made for fighting. Yeah, he was either going to be a fighter or he was going to be a small forward in the NBA or something. Yeah, but I mean, that's just with those long ass arms and height. You yeah, know, he he he's built. He is really perfect for this sport. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for. Uh, I'm definitely excited for the for the next upcoming months in the UFC. Got a big card tonight. Two huge cards in the month of March. Because 259 is on March the 6th and 260 is on March 27th. So two cards in a row. Crazy. We just had a card. We just had a damn pay-per-view card. Now we're having another one. Yeah. You know, Rick, one more question before we go. We're about 40 pay-per-views away from UFC 300. So what is that? What are we looking at? 2023? Probably 2023. Okay. Because 2015 or 2016... We're doing like what? They're doing like what? So it's like seven. It's like seven years in between. In between the uh, in between one hundred, two hundred, three hundred. Yeah, we're getting ready to have four pay per views in the span of three. The first three months. Yeah. Of twenty twenty one, so they're probably looking at maybe thirteen, fourteen pay per views. So maybe we got a little longer than twenty twenty three. Yeah, we maybe got twenty twenty four. We got about. We're probably going to be looking at the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024 or something like that. But I mean, that's, yeah, UFC 300. If you had to predict, what's the main event of UFC 300? Fuck. Let's just just say it's UFC. I mean, I'm sorry. Let's just say it's uh, January of 2024. So three years from now. Yeah. What's the main event of Man, UFC 300? It's so tough to say because even I mean the landscape is changing big time. There's so much uncertainty about the, the sport's biggest star. You know, maybe one of the most dominant stars in the sport's history is retired. Khabib Nurmagomedov retired right now. Um you know, it's it's not crazy to say if Usman wins this weekend, he could still be a champion by then. 
Um, so uncertainty with the heavyweight division. I mean, we don't even know if Stipe Miocic is going to be fighting at this time next year. He could he could rattle off a win against Ngannou, fight John Jones later this year, and call it a career. Yeah. You know, so there's some uncertainty there. You know, I feel like there's a lot of stiff competition for Petr Jan. I, you know, there's a lot of competition for him to get through there. You know, Nunes has already flirted with the idea of retirement. There's there's so much. There's so much that you don't really know. I, I can't look at any of the champions and confidently say they're going to be champions then. I can't do it. Because I don't know if some of the more dominant champions, I don't know if they're going to be in the sport, UFC still. So it's just really tough to tell, man. And it's, you know, the sports, sports, the champions, everything is so competitive now. Every, everything's at such a crossroads. Yeah. And you don't know who's going to be around in that time. You know, some of these guys are, some of these guys are trying to take some of the, you know, it's a, part of it's a power play. I, I do really believe that some of these guys that have retired or talking about retirement, I do feel like some of them don't really want to retire, but they're trying to put some of the cards back in their hand by saying, hey, I don't need this kind yeah. of thing. So some of it is business. Um, but man. I'll say this. I definitely believe that Conor McGregor is in the main event. You think Connor's in the main event? I think Connor's in the main event. Wow. Of UFC 300. You think he's still fighting by UFC 300? Yep. He said that he's not going to... Re- he said he's <laughs> never fully going to retire. Yeah, I know he said that. He's out of his mind. I think Conor McGregor's in the main event of UFC 300. Man. I mean, I, I feel like... I mean, that's going to take a tremendous amount of bounce back for Connor at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to really come back on a different... And, you know, he's... I don't know if you've seen it on social media, but... He's still a draw. I mean, let's Oh, not yeah, think. he's definitely a draw. You know, but the, is that draw going to keep... Is that draw going to go down? If he keeps losing? You yeah. You know what I mean? We're already looking in a spot between the, you know, the, the Mayweather fight and Khabib and this Poirier fight. You know, we're seeing Conor lose more than we're seeing him win now. Yeah. And that's not good for his stock. You know what I mean? So... It'll be interesting, man. It'll be interesting to see what what happens. You know, he put up something on social media that said, "No more, Mister Nice Guy." And you talked about this. You talked about if you didn't like Connor, humble count Connor better or fight selling Connor. You know, I feel like part part of me feels like, and, and one of the things that Poirier said in his post fight press conference was he didn't feel the aura of Connor McGregor as much this time. And I do feel like part of that is because he's being so fucking nice. Yeah, he was coming to fucking kill you mentally. And then kill you physically when you got in that cage before. I mean, the the embeddeds that they did leading up to their first fight. Those two almost were talking shit to each other in the hotel. Not hugging each other and holding hot sauce. You yeah. know, it's a completely different dynamic that, than we've seen from Conor recently. You know, and really since that Khabib fight. And I know part of that is Conor, Conor does feel like he went over the line a little bit in that Khabib buildup. He did. He did, say, he did. Some, he did say some crazy shit. You know what I mean? There's a lot of bad blood there. And then he's and then you got Khabib's manager running in his mouth and he's the worst. But um we get to hear his mouth this Sunday. I mean yeah, this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Especially if Kamara wins. Um but you know maybe maybe he is giving people too much respect. Maybe he does need to go back to beating people mentally a little bit and then going into the cage and using that against him. Well let me ask you this though, Rick. Is it too late for that? In the sense of, 
He just the, this is the worst we've ever seen Connor get beat. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, well, it was the came, first 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 time TKO, he's ever been TKO knocked out. Ne- for, never been finished by strikes. Into this coming into this contest, coming into this contest, he's lost two UFC fights via submission yeah. to Nate and Khabib. But he and just his, got and his professional losses before that were, to were submissions. submissions. Joe Duffy, I was about to say, Joe Duffy was one of them. But um, is it too late to go back to the whole badass at the press conference with with how he just was starched by Dustin Poirier? I mean, I don't. I won't say that it's too late, but if you're gonna talk it. You, you better walk go, it. You got to go in there and fuck people up. That's what people loved about Conor before. He was talking tons of shit. He was talking crazy shit against Jose Aldo, who was the kingpin of that division for, what, 10, ten years? years? Hadn't been beaten in 12. And people were like, man, this fucking Irishman's out of his mind. That's Jose Aldo. And then starches him in 14 seconds. There yeah. couldn't nobody tell him shit. You know what I mean? And a lot of the people that he that even didn't like him were like... This fucking guy talks the talk and walks the walk. So yeah. he's a loudmouth. Look, look at all the shit he talked to, to Eddie Alvarez and beat him, became a multi-division world champion. Yeah. Going into that fight, there was all kinds of stuff. You remember Eddie Alvarez said at the press conference that Conor was having... Um, Conor was having... What did, he, what did he say? Conor was having a baby and his girlfriend's not pregnant or Conor was having two babies and his girlfriend ain't having twins. So I came out and tried to play into because there were some people. There was a, I think, a female that tried to, of course, tried to say that Connor got her pregnant. Yeah, you know, and I think that that was all handled out in the courts, and you know, I think Connor was cleared of all of that, and there, yeah. you know, it wasn't his kid, but that shit was going into that. There was a bunch of rumors. You know, Connor said he was going to make a big announcement before the, at the end of that fight. I don't know if you remember that. He was teasing a big announcement and a lot of people were speculating that the announcement was Connor was stepping away from the sport to go fix his family. You know, it ended up being, I think it ended up being that he was going to, it was supposed to be the proper whiskey, proper 12 whiskey, I think. Yeah. So I think it was supposed to be something on that, but who knows? But, um, I don't know, man, this, that that walking that walk and talking the talk, I just I I feel like right now, one of the things that Connor really had going for him was he could beat you mentally, before you guys even stepped in the cage, he could beat you mentally. Yeah. And now that's not the case anymore. He's not. He doesn't have these people like man. This fucking guy's crazy. He doesn't have the people people doing that. He's he's, you know what I mean. Outside of him telling Donald Cerrone that he could read him like a children's book, it was super cordial and polite the whole time. Same thing with Poirier. They, they, these guys are day before fighting, and they're hugging over a bottle of hot sauce and taking pictures like, you know, like that. Even I mean, you know, it's not. I mean, it's not too much you can say when you when you take a loss. But you know, even after the fight, in the backstage, Connor was, you know, super nice and polite to Poirier. Yeah, he went up to him and congratulated him and stuff. I mean. So I I don't know I don't know what the best the best answer is I don't you know. Time will tell. Time will tell all. You know whether Connor Kump bounces back and 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 starts whipping people's asses, or you know we see him take another tough loss. And I mean, if he, he takes another loss, that's three in a row. Yeah. Which well, is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's not. It's two in a row, but it's three of your last four. Three of your last four. And four of your last five losses. If you want to count the Mayweather. 
Count the Mayweather thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and then you had, yeah, I mean, so. And uh, really, he, if he loses again, that's five of his last seven fights or losses. His only wins are Eddie, Nate. Nate, too. And, and Cerrone. Cerrone. So. So, it's, it's tough, man. He's definitely at a crossroads, and we'll see how he bounces back. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we'll see if he's got one more run in him for the championship, especially, you know, Khabib's out of the division now. The championship really is wide open. I mean. Well, it's like we were talking about. And he's still not. He's. It's, it was a tough loss, right? And it looks bad, right? Because it's the first time he's been finished with strikes, and he's usually the person finishing with strikes. Yeah. But he's still a win away from fighting for a title. Yeah, he is. You know I mean? He did fight Dustin Poirier. It's not like he fought some bum off the street. You know what I mean? So he, if he could bounce back and, and knock one of these other guys that we just talked about earlier that are kind of mixed in this lightweight scramble here, if he could blast one of these guys and knock them out, you know, get that momentum back, he could be right back in there with a Poirier, with a Gaethje for the championship or, you know, however else this plays out. But Absolutely. We'll have to see, man. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting. It's a lot of uncertainty about the career of Conor McGregor right now. Yeah, and, like, hopefully we, hopefully we see him fight again this year. I hope so, man. Because I think rust is a, rust is a huge deal in this sport. I mean, it is. It was, 46 seconds at, at, for in, what, two, three years? Yeah, and it was it was so weird too. Like I was listening after the thing, I wanted I wanted to hear what Joe Rogan had to say about it because obviously he wasn't there. Joe Rogan had thought that you need to let Poirier and Oliveira fight and give Connor some time off, but that's exactly what Connor was saying was the cause for him being out of out of you know out of t- timing and stuff with that fight. Yeah. You know we don't need to give. I mean, yeah, let his leg heal, but we don't need to give him a bunch of time off. He just said that he doesn't want time off. He was in Dana White's DMs calling out everybody under the sun last year to try to get a fight. He was literally calling out Diego Sanchez to try to fight Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Who, by the way, has a fight with Donald Cerrone coming up, which is which is cool. Yeah. But but that's, yeah, you see stuff like that. I mean, you know, he, he's like, all right, well, let's fight Ferguson. Uh, let, you know, let's run the Khabib fight back. I mean, he, you know. And Dana kept saying no to your biggest star. To your biggest star. So, I mean, it's like, I get they didn't want him, they didn't want the, you know, they didn't, they really didn't want Connor to fight with no fans. They didn't want that. I get that. And I understand that, but that's the world that we live in. You don't know when you're going to have a crowd back. Yeah, you really don't. You don't. We thought it was going to be six months after it started. I mean, for general population, for this whole, unless you start running outdoor venues, which is something the UFC has not looked into at all, and I don't understand it. Yeah. Super Bowl just had 25,000 fans. 25,000 people out there because it was outside. Yeah. You know, everybody knows your transmission rate of catching something airborne is decreased when you're spaced out outside. Severely. So, you know, I don't know why I don't know why the UFC hasn't picked picked some of this stuff out, you know, as far as as, as an outdoor venue. Let's bring fans back outdoors. You know, and and then we we get to watch them fight you know that would be a whole different you know from entertainment wise and production wise it'd be a whole different challenge sure but it's something it's an option it's an option to bring the fans back i mean if if they're waiting for everybody to be vaccinated for this thing to go away i hate to break to everybody it's going to be 2022 we're not going to be able to probably be back normal inside arenas and stuff till maybe the end of this year if not 
like yeah. a sold out arena, it won't. Yes. It won't be till next year. Won't be till next year. I mean, we might get some limited, limited cap, event venues like they did with this fight. Yeah. But you know, we got to um, we got to take what the world, what it is, what it is. So we can't hold Connor back. I mean, and you know, Dana said, yeah, it's tough to give up a Connor um, gate, gate, but you're not helping. You're not helping, uh, you're not help. I mean, you're not helping Connor. It's not like, it's not like from stopping Connor from fighting, you're saving his age. You know what I mean? It's not like he's frozen in carbonite and he just gets to pop out and he's yeah. 29 in 285 days. He's going to get older no matter what you, what you do. And it's so funny to me because you have, Dana has for the longest time, he's always called out fighters for turning down fights and not wanting to fight. Now, you have your number one star wanting to fight anybody and everybody under the sun, and you're telling him no. Yeah. It's like, it's 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 bass backwards. Like, and a guy comes back and fights in, in what, 2.6 million, or what was it? 1.6 1. 1. million 1. 6 buys. 1.6 million buys, fights D- Dustin Poirier. You know what I mean? So it's we got it. If he wants to fight, which he clearly does, you got to get him in there. You got to get him in there. Got to get him in the cage. So let him fight. You got to let this guy fight and get him. You know, and I mean, and eventually, hopefully, if he's still fighting, you'll get around to being able to get the Conor McGregor gates, and you'll have the sold out arenas. But we got to take what it is right now, and what it is, what we know is we can't have full capacity shows, and that's what we know. Okay, we so can't. you got to you got to move on. And, and, and keep doing this, but uh, Dan, you got anything else? That's it, man. Just looking forward to this upcoming fight this weekend. Me too. Can't wait for it, guys. UFC what two fifty eight? UFC two fifty eight this 258 Saturday. This Saturday, uh, prelims start at eight. Main card starts at ten from the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada, Nevada, whatever you say, guys. Uh, I'm your co-host Rick Sutton, and I'm D Jones. Have a good one. Thanks for your time, guys.